Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Tonight I will kill all of God, Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Beware the moon, David. Go now. Heaven help you. This is the All-American Spook Show, bringing you the Summer of the Wolf. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined here with my friend Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. Up. And Will cannot be with us, as per usual, he's on assignment, so... Today we are joined by a special guest. It's a friend of a good friend of Donnie's from back in his old film school days. Uh, it's Travis Roy from the Cinema Nine Podcast. How's it going, man? Hey, man, it's going really good. It's it's one thing, and it's a lot of fun to have your own podcast and and do that, as you guys well know. But uh, getting to be on a podcast that I actually like regularly listen to and enjoy, and I can like now talk with you guys in real time, that's a rare treat. So thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Oh yeah. So I guess tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I guess Donnie, you introduce him. I mean, since you're the one that uh, brought him to the table, and you guys have been friends hey, for man. a while. So yeah, uh, me and Travis go back we're talking 20 years man uh you know travis you know from a personal uh perspective you know just one of the most genuine individuals that i've ever met in my entire life and boy yeah yes straight (laughs) up man but no uh he and as far as you know the his analysis of uh film um just from all genres you know just kind of they just they just bring a different they he puts his it's, it's not really like he puts his own spin on it it's just they it's it's a it's deep, sort of like, is it a deeper analysis than what we do like hey somebody farted exactly and then we just laugh about it <laughs> we make fart jokes too i promise yeah, yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. no it just it, it just kind of makes you you know kind of look things look at things differently just uh, as a different perspective than than what you normally you know experience so you guys met back in uh film school right yep yeah yeah we both met at uh full sail in orlando florida in yep. 2000 i believe it there's was, yeah, handful, it was 2000 yep yeah, there's been a handful of like some uh some some people that have actually gone on to do some film and stuff out of there right like it's not just a you know just a, a weird name school right it's <laughs> yeah yeah we have one guy from our class did <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've actually got uh, a few, a few of them. Uh, there's, uh, was it Justin Deck? Um, actually, uh, went on to direct uh, uh, the Countdown. Um, mm-hmm. That's a horror movie we haven't got to yet. That's true. Um, I forgot about that. But yeah, and then uh, you know we've had some other. Um, some other folks in the in the yeah. industry. Uh, yeah, our friend uh, Danny, Gon- Danny Gonzalez. Uh, yeah. we, he worked on Mank, the Academy Award winning uh, cinematographer. Is his boss uh, Messenschmidt, I believe his name is. So, so there's a couple people that we work with that yeah that went on to do things. And then some of us just kind of you know went into the other routes and just started podcasts to talk about movies. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah, that's that's the way it happens. I mean, like I, I went to uh, Donnie and I actually went. God, how long have we known each other, Donnie? Like uh, elementary school, right? Like it's yeah, like third time. grade. Yeah, yeah. We actually went wow. to uh, a tech school together, like before you guys met up at uh, film school. 
And mm -hmm. uh, I remember Donnie telling me, like, yeah, I'm going to be going to film school in full sale. What, what the hell is full sale? <laughs> like, this didn't, this didn't sound real, you know, but uh, it's become a thing, you know, a, a lot bigger thing even, even since then. So, yeah, that's cool, you know, and, and that you guys uh, have, have kept your friendship, friendship over the years, you know, that's cool. So, um, so I guess tell us a little bit about the Cinema 9 podcast, uh, what you guys do over there. Well, um, you know, we also are old friends. These are uh, two guys, Eric and Mike, that I have known for up towards 30 years. And we've just always been big film nerds, you know, just movie nerds. And uh, when the when the pandemic hit, we were, or the three of us were, you know, like a lot of people in dire need of some distraction and a new hobby. Uh, and I'd had a podcast once before that had kind of, uh, it dried up when the pandemic hit because I was no longer able to use a studio that I was using at the time. Uh, so we kind of did a lot more of a fly by night thing and started this up and I can't pretend that our premise is like super unique or anything. We, we just discuss a new film, well, not a new film, but an older film, a different film each week. And we typically ask like, does it hold up? So we usually look at a film that we really enjoyed maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago and thought was great, but kind of hadn't thought about or talked about or really watched in a long time it's not usually like a like an obvious classic so we just kind of revisit these films and be like hey how do we feel about them now hmm. and uh, that's it that's pretty yeah. much the premise cinema nine yeah. numerical nine yeah. number nine, <laughs> for the well, record where do you come where did you come up with the name for that like there's got to be some story behind that right like it's kind of a random pull cinema <laughs> nine um, yeah, it does come from a specific place. I don't know how actually interesting it is, but the cinema uh, that we, the three of us kind of grew up going to in Brighton, Michigan, was called the Cinema Nine Theater because there was nine, you know, nine cinema, uh, nine theaters yeah. in that place, nine screens. Uh, so we just kind of named it in homage to that. That's yeah, Do Donnie and I grew up going to a theater in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina called Cinema Seven that actually had eight theaters in it. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look at them. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think they. Well, we, we here in the big, big, huge town of Orangeburg, South Carolina, we had the cinema too. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it, 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 that was better because originally it started out as one big screen and then yeah. they put it into two. <laughs> they split it in half. Yeah. We had, yeah. We, had, we had a place that did that too. Then they then they tore that partition back down. I'm like, we're one again. And they bragged about that. I'm like, whatever works. I think there was a lot of those kind of places like in the 70s, right? Where like it would be one screen and then they literally just built a wall down the middle of it. Yeah. And they split the screen in half, yeah. basically. And <laughs> now you got two theaters. All right. Didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so it, it's nice to have you on, Travis. And uh, hopefully this won't be the last time, man. You know, we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. Oh, thanks, um, man. I hope so. I'd be happy. But this was very specific, you know, one of the reasons we wanted you on this week. Because this is kind of our, even though we have another movie review episode to do here in the Summer of the Wolf series, we're going to be talking about another wolf cop next week. And, you know, we'll... We'll tease that toward the end, but this we're going to kind of treat this as like our Summer of the Wolf wrap up a little bit, you know, and uh, get some of your expertise in the field since like you actually used to have a podcast like base that it basically involved werewolves, right? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so uh, I had all right. So my uh, after full sale, I went and went back to school and um, just kind of just entered grad school for history generally for a good decade or so. Uh, didn't get all the way to my, went into a PhD program, but never actually got my PhD. So I was just kind of doing that for a long time. And what I focused on was like environmental and cultural history. And a lot of that was 
looking at wolves specifically. I wrote my master's thesis on uh, European attitudes about wolves and like how that affected uh, things in America and Australia when 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 people settled there and that kind of stuff. So I was so I was really interested in this subject for a long time and then I, and then I was like really kind of like all right I need to like branch out and I want to have a history podcast where I could talk about wherever I want so I did my first episode I'm like I'm gonna make it I don't know about werewolves I just like talked about werewolves for the first episode but that was really it it was kind of like the, the name of the podcast was the, a very broad history of werewolves and other things with an emphasis on other things and I just you know, chronically disappointed audiences uh, over and over again who wanted episodes about werewolves and like, what the fuck is this? He's talking about Bob Seger. I'm like, well, yeah, I like Bob Seger too. I don't know. I talk well, we know him. a lot about chronic disappointment, so uh, you're you're well at home here. <laughs> Good company. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, I guess we'll start at like what's some of your favorite uh, horror movies, or maybe even like some of your favorite werewolf movies that. Uh, you've watched in the past like i guess uh, we'll do like just generic horror at first like what are your summer what are some of your favorite horror movies i'd have to say that if i have to like pick one all-time favorite horror movie i'd pick tom holland's uh fright night 1985 fucking love fright night it's got everything you want it's it's genuinely scary it's genuinely funny it's entertaining um so fright night big props to that and also uh you guys were um talking about classic horror movies. I want to give a shout out to Fright Night 2 where John Grease played a pretty memorable werewolf in that. Um, yeah, a so lot that's... of people don't give credit to Fright Night 2. And it's actually the hard, one of the harder ones to find on a physical copy of these days. A physical copy would be nice. I actually watched it last time on YouTube, so there you go. Ah. So I, I'm a big fan of The Mist. I love The Mist. I love that bold ending. I think The Mist is one of the uh, classic, modern classic horror films. Now, that one, did you actually read the, uh, I guess that was like a short story, right, from Stephen King? Have you ever read that? Yeah, I actually read that when I was like way too young to read it and yeah. uh, grew up like loving it and, and just hoping that it would like be made into a movie one day. It's one of those rare moments where the film actually exceeded my expectations. Yeah. For yeah. Same here. Yeah. That's also one of the rare moments where they changed something like, yeah. you know, big time that actually made it better, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like significantly change. better. Yeah. 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 The ending. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's yeah. dire as fuck. That's all I'll say. If you yeah. uh, haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one last horror movie I'll give a, a throw out to before getting into the werewolf movies is this movie from uh, Korea called The Wailing. You guys ever seen this movie? Came out, I think, in 2019, I want to say, maybe 2017. No. I have not. I have not. It's in my list. No, I, I'm familiar with the title. Yeah, it's in my list, too, yeah. but I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to recommend you guys bump this up on your list. I think it's a really unique horror movie. It's really it's it's the kind of movie that really sticks with you, and you just can't take your eyes off the screen. Um, I have only seen it once, so I'm I'm a little loath to be like, oh, it's one of my favorite horror movies. But it's the one I've watched most recently that had a, like a tremendous impact on me. Like, whoa, this is this is something else. You yeah. guys should definitely check it out. Yeah, it's not, yeah, we we'll have to put that on the list here sometime between now and the end of the year. We'll try to get it yeah. on there. Some of your favorite uh, werewolf movies, then if. Well, you know, uh, you guys mentioned it on your most recent, uh, you know, some you know, werewolf history episode. Uh, 1994's Wolf with Jack Nicholson, man. I fucking love that movie. I think that movie is really fun. It, it, I think I mentioned that in that episode. Too. It's been a while since I watched that one, I think. Uh, probably yeah. back when yeah, it no, came out. Like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time for me as well. It's been a long time. That's for another me. one too, where the minimalist aspect really works. You know, the minimalist makeup for Jack mm -hmm. Nicholson. I mean, we talked about that I think on that episode where you don't really need a whole lot of makeup on Jack Nicholson for him to be wolfish. I guess you could say. 
<laughs> and yeah, they went, I yeah. think they really did well with that minimalist makeup look. Yeah, I agree, and also I like that it's like, it's a werewolf drama. Like it takes itself very seriously. I haven't watched it in a long time either. And in honor of you guys and uh, the collaboration between our shows, the way our show works is that like we take turns getting to choose which movie and to ask whether or not it holds up. When it's my turn next, I'm choosing Wolf. Nice. There we go. Nice. Definitely, <laughs> definitely going to be doing that yeah, soon. Yeah. And um, I uh, I really enjoyed Wolf Cop. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's one of my favorite werewolf movies of all time. But my God, you guys, I would not have watched <laughs> this movie without you guys uh, basically <laughs> recommending it by doing the episode. And it was just a, way more fun than it should be and way better than it should be. Like, it's genuinely good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, it took me by surprise the first time I saw it for sure. Yeah, uh, so thank you for that. I'm, I'll definitely watch another Wolf Cop in uh, in preparation for your uh, for your coming episode. And, uh, and you guys mentioned Werewolves Within, which I, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite werewolf movies, but I did watch it when it came out a few weeks ago or a month or so ago or whatever it was, and it's totally worth seeing. I mean, like Sam Richardson's a, a fun leading man, and it is kind of a good kind of whodunit kind of picture. So I would recommend Werewolves Within. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still need to get around to watching that one. Like, I, I've seen a couple of trailers or clips or whatever, and it, it looks good. So I need to check that out. If you know, I'm, I'm just going to point this out because some people might be hearing this. Uh, whenever the, uh, Professor Smoke talks, uh, you can hear crickets in the background. That's our live in-studio audience. Uh, I'm used to that, by the way. <laughs> going on, no, he's actually sitting outside, so there's crickets out there. So, like... Um, it, we're not we're not dropping that in George Romero style. Like it's actually uh, it's actually there. Oh, it's perfect. Noise. I just wanted to make sure, like you, you know, you knew that, so you wouldn't go crazy with the cricket noise. Um, some of the movies that we've watched here during the summer, of The Wolf. Though I'll kind of give a brief recap. We've watched the uh, the original Wolfman from what was that nineteen forty one forty one forty one yeah. yeah. Uh, have you had a chance to see that, Travis? I, I'm not. I, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen that movie, which is I just have no good excuse. But uh, um, it's one of those. It's you know some movies are so ingrained in our culture that you almost think like you don't need to see them. You know, I actually didn't watch Dracula for the first time until maybe a couple years ago. I was like, oh yeah, I should probably put this under my belt. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely uh, all those original Universal pictures are ones that you should get around to sooner or later. We just talked about Wolf Cop. Have you seen an American Werewolf in London? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a good film. Ginger Snaps. I've never seen Ginger Snaps. Um, I hear it's like um, a good take on female puberty, right? Yeah, pretty That's much. That's what I'm told. It's, uh, yeah, they, they lean right into it. That's pretty much what that movie's about. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of an awkward movie for three guys to talk about, like we did on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We probably got hate mail for it. So. Man, <laughs> if only there was like a giant bulbous penis that exploded into a wolf pocket. <laughs> no. It would be so much easier to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That that scene will already be spoiled for you, unfortunately. But yeah, there is a scene, believe it or not, in Ginger Snaps that involves something to do in a urinal. That's all I'll say. So yeah. <laughs> all right, now I'm tempted. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and uh, most recently, we just did the Howling that that came out uh, last week, and we all gave it a, a high marks. I mean, like the lowest mm -hmm. mark was. Uh, three stars from Will. So, uh, what do you think of the Howling? I think that it's one. Like, I love Joe Dante. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, where are the werewolves? What the fuck? You know, like I'm like kind of waiting and waiting. I'm like, why? I don't care about this man with the mustache. Um, but I do think that uh, Robert Picardo is maybe one of the best werewolves of all time. And for my money, I think that's probably the best werewolf transformation transformation on film as well. Robert Bottin did fantastic work there. Yeah, we we kind of debated between that one and American Werewolf in London, and like you would have, like like we pointed out in that one, you would have seen The Howling first, like because The Howling came out in April of uh, 
1981, and then American Werewolf came out, I think it was in August of 81. So mm-hmm. I guess they kind of knew what they were going up against, you know, by the time that came out, right? I'm sure they had to have seen it and took some notes, you would think, right? I don't know exactly what the production, you know, how the production uh, calendar worked out on those. but And we also pointed out that Rick Baker was supposed to work on that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being that Rob Bottin worked for... Uh... For Baker, I wouldn't be surprised if they shared the dailies and that kind of stuff, and like maybe some Polaroids and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm sure they had to go back and forth with tips, especially in the case of Rick Baker, you know, giving tips to Rob Bottin. I think I think that worked out perfectly for Rick Baker got an Academy Award for it or an Oscar for it, whatever, and uh, Rob Bottin got a chance to shine on his own. Yeah. I think it worked out well for both of them. Yeah, I don't think uh, history frowns on the way it all played out, I guess. But it would have been interesting, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, an interesting what-if scenario if Rick Baker had stayed on that and uh, how things would have uh, looked differently with both of those movies. So, Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, we'll be wrapping up uh, The Summer of the Wolf with another Wolf Cop next week. But um, I guess we'll kind of go through, you know, kind of recapping what we've talked about uh, all this summer. Like, other than doing these movies – in between our Spook Show Spotlight episodes, we've been doing the History of the Werewolf uh, parts one through four. So really the first first part was basically kind of about uh, early mythology and, uh, you know, of werewolves and, and uh, I guess, what, shape-shifting and stuff like this. Like, that's kind of what we discussed on the first part. Did you have any uh, thoughts on that, like, you know, from your experience talking about werewolves or anything like that? Like, as far as the yeah. mythology part of it? Yeah, I, I definitely have uh, quite, quite quite a few thoughts. Um, but first off, I, I really want to give credit to our, our good Professor Smoke for uh, the work that he that, that he did here. I know you guys are all doing this together, but I understand, Smoke, you were doing the history, basically, right? Am I correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, like the early, early history, uh, as in the European slash Scandinavian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's all and stuff. yeah. yeah, you did great work. Um, I, 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 I do have some things to, to add or expand upon, but but not much because you really you really did a really good job. In fact, I kind of come in with egg on my face a little bit because you talked about the Epic of Gilgamesh, and this is a book that I have been teaching for oh, seven years, six years. So I read it twice a year, and I mm. so I know this book pretty pretty fucking well. I like to think. Um, and then I'm like listening to your podcast and you're talking about Ishtar turning, uh, uh, herdsmen into a uh, wolf. I'm like, wait, what? And I like get the book down <laughs> off my shelf and look, I'm like, Oh my God, how do I just, t- <laughs> they talk about Aluhu birds. They talk about other stuff. They talk about dwarves and somehow that had just like completely missed me. So, uh, well done on that. I'm going to totally bring that into that class next time I teach it. Be like, <laughs> <laughs> there's all there's also a sequence in the epic epic of Gilgamesh where Ishtar threatens to unleash uh, an army of the living dead on on the on the planet, which is also good fun. Um. <laughs> Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of taste thrill treats, all tip top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There's soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. But uh, yeah, so the only thing that uh, so so I had the earliest that I had dated werewolfery, which I mean, is there a better word than werewolfery? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Go with it. <laughs> Uh, but the the earliest I had dated this was to uh, something that you guys had skipped, which is the myth of King Lycaon from ancient Greece. 
Uh, are you guys familiar with this? No. So the the word lycanthrope this comes from Lycaon, the, this uh, this fictional king, mm. that um, he was the reason why Zeus flooded the earth. So every like every religion has their own flood myth, and that the ancient Greeks are no different. And the reason that the that the earth got flooded, which I'm not sure why he would bother to flood the earth after he already punished King Lake Lycaon, but whatever. <laughs> uh, king Lycaon has Zeus come to his house. Um, to visit because you know gods are always really big on like showing up at someone's house and being like hey i'm uh i'm a mysterious guest you better treat me kindly and you're like i don't know is this a god is this a person i better <laughs> obey the laws of hospitality and you know uh, let them in and treat them great uh so that's what king lycaon did but like he kind of suspected that this person was in fact zeus so there's a bunch of different ways that the myth goes but the basic understanding is it's kind of a uh, like a abraham and isaac thing where he he only he literally sacrifices one of his own children and like takes his guts and puts the guts in zeus's food and tries to trick zeus into eating it and it's some sort of lesson about cannibalism that had become outdated by this time in greek culture but in the story zeus is so furious that he destroys everybody he kills everybody in the whole room basically with lightning bolts and except for King Lycaon, who runs away and he shoots, you know, some sort of, I don't know, shape-shifting beam at him or whatever, and turns him into a wolf, and he runs off in being a wolf. So that's where Lycanthrope comes from. And so that's then, fun. And then we get Wolf Cop. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a, <laughs> yeah, a, then a we, line. Then we get... <laughs> Did you say Wolf Cop? Yeah, uh, no, cop, no, yeah, Cop, Cop, oh, yeah, yeah the, the movie, Wolf okay. Cop, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it is a good thing they called it Wolf Cop. I mean, there's another way they could have gone there. Oh, they could have. They could have <laughs> yeah, been apt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, you talked about skinwalkers and like, and how every different culture seems to have their own form of shape shifters and skinwalkers. I found, you know, I think that's really interesting. You know, there's there's were panthers. There's 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 record of like were frogs and all kinds of random <laughs> stuff. Uh, but my favorite skinwalker story personally would be uh, I think it's a British story, and the idea of selkies, which is like these seals that come up out of the sea, but then they shed their seal skin and they're like a beautiful woman, kind of like a mermaid thing. And, it, and if a fisherman can like find their seal fur, then they'll like hide it, and then the the selkie has to marry them. It's kind <laughs> of a weird, weird, uh, weird shape shifting myth. Wear seal women, basically. That, that just sounds women. like it, it came from somebody that had a thing for seals or something. So they. Like some seal like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's wear seals. Yep, yep. That's their thing. Yeah. <laughs> the same people that thought that manatees looked like mermaids and women, like, yeah, that, that looks hot. I'd do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I guess if you're if you're out months at sea, you know, you know, anything can start to look pretty good. This is true. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going out to sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, should I keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Go for it. Oh, yeah. I'll just bowl on ahead. Um, you guys, you talked about werewolf trials, which I was really glad to hear you guys talk about werewolf trials because everyone knows about witch trials, right? But, but werewolf trials were as big a thing in some ways, maybe even bigger or, or at least as common, uh, and, and went on for a really long time. We have no idea how many people died from these things, but we can estimate upwards in the thousands. And as you guys, you guys talked about, uh, Peter Stump, um, and you know, this, this is a guy who had like, I mean, every limb in his body like was broken they they i mean like they they tortured this man pretty yeah. severely and as fucked up story. as it did what's that i said yeah that was a fucked up 
story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, what do you, what do you want me to confess to? Break all my limbs, and I'll probably confess to that. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, it's just <laughs> not a good way to go. But there. But what I find interesting is that, like, most of the people that they would accuse of werewolfery were people that uh, were what we would now think of as serial killers. Um, like that, that term like didn't really enter the public lexicon until sometime after H. H. Holmes, right? Like that wasn't really like that. Mm-hmm. People didn't concept conceptualize that really well. Um, but the way that they used to kind of deal with anybody that would be a, like a regular murderer or people that like killed in like particularly brutal and sick ways, they would. That was kind of how they explained it. Like they were no longer human. They had done something that was like this is so inhuman they they are in fact like werewolves and in fact you have cases where people would not even under torture they would like go to the authorities and be like hey i'm a werewolf i've been killing children and that was like how they themselves would even understand their behavior pretty interesting hmm. Damn. yeah um now, there's always been like uh, this kind of historical fear of wolves, generally speaking, uh, throughout much of Europe. Uh, in fact, they were completely extirpated from the, the the English Isle. They were driven. They were driven completely away from it. And I think that goes in part because there is a long-standing kind of conflation between werewolves and what we would think of now as zombies, but they probably would have called ghouls and uh, and vampires. These things at one point were like almost interchangeable in in, in folklore. There was little difference seen between the three. Vampires, how they were traditionally viewed, were a lot more like how we would think of like revenants or or uh, zombies now. Like they're just kind of mindless consuming machines. But um, you guys talked about why why on earth are werewolves like the redheaded stepchild, right? Like why don't they get the same yeah. do that, that that like say vampires do or even like frankenstein and i think that the reason for that i definitely agree and i wanted and had to think about that because it's funny because like as you as as, like you talked about epic of gilgamesh this these kinds of uh this lore predates vampires it predates zombies it predates uh you know pretty much all these other um kinds of things but Wolfman didn't have the revamping, for lack of a better word, that was an unintentional pun, that <laughs> vampires had uh, during the Romantic era. You know, so the, so Frankenstein, that book, obviously, like, clearly romantic as hell. And I mean, like, you know, capital R romantic, not, like, romantic, like, uh, you know, it makes me want to fall in love. I mean, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, the Romantic era. Vampires up until that point were largely, like I said, like, zombies almost. But then you have lord byron who kind of comes up with this idea of like a maybe a more sophisticated vampire followed by his doctor a guy named john polidori who fucking hated him and uh basically twisted the vampire took byron's story and twisted it on its head and made it his own and turned the villain into byron himself um and from that point on we started having like these like classy like you know wearing a tuxedo kind of vampires who could prey on women with their charms and that kind of stuff and 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 Werewolves just just never got that. I think that that's I think that's kind of the answer there. They never they never became sexy, right? In that in that same way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean like it. And if anything, like we said, you know, like they always kind of became like uh, you know you had the wolf man. That was really the only one where it seemed like they kind of took it serious, you know. And like you said, you haven't watched that one, but like a lot of the ones after that, he was just kind of like Frankenstein, Dracula. Oh yeah, the wolf man's over here, you know. So like. <laughs> They, they, yeah, he's always playing second fiddle. Yeah, yeah. He's just kind of over in the corner, like, eh, eh, you know, just acting like a <laughs> werewolf, you know. So, 
Yeah. Oh, and that reminds me also, I, I, I'm definitely stealing the idea of Monster Mash as being a way of describing like a, a zombie or like a monster movie, like yeah. a Monster Squad kind of movie. That was that way. Really <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> or like those classic Universal what, House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, where they just put every monster in there they could at that point. <laughs> right, right. Um, so the, the one last thing. Well, I, I mean, I, I could get into, like, general wolf lore and their misunderstandings of, of wolf, wolves, generally speaking, but that's not exactly specific to werewolves. Um, but one, one last thing that, that uh, you guys didn't touch on yet um, is uh, hypertrichosis, which is the condition that causes, uh, you know, extravagant facial hair growth that you guys have mm. probably seen, like, in old-timey pictures. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, very yeah, famous. Like the, uh, those, oh no, 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 I think you're about to get to it. <laughs> uh, Jojo the dog face boy. Was that what those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say Jojo the dog face boy. This is a, uh, a I believe a Polish man named uh, Fyodor Jeftichu, um, who P.T. Barnum, that famous creep, um, basically <laughs> exploited and 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 you know uh, took around the world in the early 1900s and uh, there was there was many other people as well Lionel the lion faced man and bearded ladies so called bearded ladies in fact these people usually had this hypertrichosis which is just accelerated uh, facial hair growth but i do think that like this is this is a condition that can occur at birth and they like, come people come out all hairy like that um, but it's also something that can come with puberty, and I feel like you know this is this is pure speculation here. There's no real proof to this, but I, I logic I think kind of demands that like well, you got someone who looks with like a regular kid, and then they hit puberty, and all of a sudden they got hair coming out of their face. This might also help explain some of this werewolf confusion, in my opinion. Yeah, very true. Mm. When you watch Ginger Snaps, you'll you'll get the feminine side of that aspect. <laughs> yeah, which my life has clearly been lacking. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know you needed it until just now even though that came out 21 years ago um yeah i mean like really after that like we spent like the first part talking about that and really kind of the second part too because that led us up to uh you know when the wolfman came out in 1941 and we talked about that but then in our third part we talked about basically that era between 1941 all the way up till the late 70s up till 1980 mm -hmm. and uh, focusing mostly on like the films of Paul Nashi and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the other, like, kind of, for, for lack of a better term, clown shoe wolf, <laughs> werewolf movies that were coming out. Like, you know, like I was a teenage werewolf and stuff like that, where it was just kind of, it went away from the mythology. And then they were just talking about, like, it, it seemed like every time a wolf, a wolf man appeared in those movies, it was always like some si mad scientist or an experiment gone wrong. And, you know, just the fact that that's kind of what was going on at the time, you know, during the atomic age and all that kind of stuff, you know, and the, mm -hmm. the shift of the way people, uh, viewed movies and all that but uh, he he the werewolf itself the character just in the wolfman however you want to put it just kind of became an afterthought during that time period and 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 i guess it wasn't until what at least like that hammer movie smoke which one was that i'm, I'm blanking curse the werewolf i think with the werewolf? werewolf yeah with uh, terrence fisher directing it yeah. yeah yeah and then like you had the paul nashi films that were like they kind of were taking it a little bit more seriously than they had in the previous say 20 years before that then we get to part four which just came out two weeks ago where we talked about from basically that that that's that year of the werewolf of an American werewolf in London, Wolfen, and um, the Howling uh, from 1981. How that kind of uh, brought the werewolf movie back to the mainstream, so to speak. And then then it was still there, you know, just kind of always like it is. But then it just kind of died again real quick, you know. And 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was born in 1980, so like uh, a lot of the werewolf kind of enthusiasm that came in, uh, you know, shortly after I was born, was uh, still kind of percolating up in culture. Uh, and I, you know, I one some of my earliest memories are like I remember I watched Thriller when I was really young, and that scared the ever-loving piss oh, out yeah. of me. Uh, I watched Monster Squad in the in the movie theater when it came out, or the drive-in theater actually when it came out, and I became like obsessed with werewolves after that. I definitely feel like there was a, this hot minute in the 80s, in the early 80s, where like werewolves were primed to like take off and be like the next big thing, kind of like uh, for the the 2010s where zombies were the thing, right? But it just like it just didn't really happen. Yeah. No, I mean, like there yeah, there were yeah. successful movies and stuff like that. You know, the mm-hmm. howling the howling series kind of took over, and those were like like we said, varying degrees of success. But you know, mm-hmm. you did have like Teen Wolf, right? That was successful, and it's true. Uh, another monster Silver match, like, you know, the, yeah, Silver yeah. Bullet and Monster Squad. There were ones where mm-hmm. he appeared That's in, few or, and far between, kind of. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like then it just kind of became something you kind of mashed up with other things, like we said, you know, like mm-hmm. in the Monster Squad, even in the Underworld movies. I mean, that's not necessarily a werewolf movie, right? It's it's just as much mm-hmm. vampires and whatever the hell else is going on in that, those movies as they are. And all of our favorite series, Twilight. Don't yeah, that of one. course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I mean, uh, you guys are talking about Underworld. When you said Danny McBride, did you mean like the Danny McBride wrote that shit? I'm, yep. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Like when yep. we were looking at it, yeah, it was him. Yep. Uh, oh, okay. I'm looking at it right now. On, on, not the on IMDb. It's a different Danny McBride. Oh, there, I was about to say unless a, it's a, unless it's a different one. I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking at a picture of a man who's definitely not uh, from Eastbound and Down. He, this guy looks like a, a, a banker or something. This is oh, not yeah. the same guy. Yeah, he looks like uh, a, a weird imposter. looking. I'm looking at it too. He looks like a weird Jim Carrey. Yeah, I think you're right though. Yep. I'm almost relieved to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank, oh yeah, yeah, thank, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Thanks for calling yeah. that out because we didn't dive deep into it. I just saw Danny McBride and I'm like, wow, that that's the same guy yeah. that that uh, worked on Underworld. But here we are. Uh, but yeah. yeah, right, right. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he he wrote the Halloween movies. Like I totally, I yeah. I was on board. I'm like, holy shit, Danny McBride. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. But uh, in fact, that's probably how that's probably how that Danny McBride got the job. Like, oh, you're Danny McBride. yeah. Oh, you did Danny McBride. Oh, okay. You did those. That's almost underworld- the only way that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you did those <laughs> underworld movies. Yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like we said, that kind of brings us up to current day. And uh, uh, thanks for coming on, man, and like kind of you know uh, filling in some of the gaps on you know especially on the history of stuff. You know, that's kind of your wheelhouse, and we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. You know, to talk about some other stuff. And uh, yeah, go, t- go go watch the Wolfman. You, you I definitely will. Need, you need to get that in your life for sure. The, the original. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. I really, really wish I could have, should have watched that before I just showed up. Oh, I, I know things about werewolves. I never watched The Wolfman, but I know <laughs> things about werewolves, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and speaking of, I wanted to give one last piece of news uh, that you guys might already be aware of, but I haven't heard you say anything about it yet. Uh, very recently, it looks like we have reason to think that the classic 1970s Marvel character, Werewolf by Night, will be coming to the Marvel Cinematic use, uh, Universe. Apparently, there's oh. some... There's good reason to think that that character is uh, in play, possibly for the Moon Knight show. So that's something to look forward I to. I did see that somewhere in passing because I, I collect comics and, like, you know, I follow kind of some of that stuff going on. And I saw something about that, but this kind of didn't, I don't know. You know, sometimes you see things in the periphery and you don't make that connection yeah. in your head. You know, like, oh, yeah, I should mention that. But, yeah, yeah that's another good call. Like, that would be pretty cool. No doubt that about that. That would be cool. That, yeah. Uh, and, and, the Marvel Cinematic Universe it definitely seems to be going in a completely different direction, 
you know, in the next phase or two. So that can mm -hmm. be an, that can be an interesting add, especially with them uh, doing Blade, or kind of rebooting Blade, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If it doesn't show up in Moon Knight, maybe he'll show up in Blade. Yeah, either way, yeah, it would make sense. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, uh, do you want to throw out any plugs for cinema nine uh, before we check out here? Like where we can find that. You can find that, uh, anywhere, man. We're, we're, you know, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Apple, we're on Twitch, we're on audible, anywhere that you, you know, listen to podcasts, check us out. Cinema nine, the number nine. Again, we cover stuff from 10, 20, 30 years ago for the most part, all kinds of different genres. Uh, and if you are really big, uh, if, if you want to follow us on, uh, social media we're really active on instagram that's also cinema nine pod and uh if you want my want to follow me on twitter it's at roy's of war that's r-o-y-s-e-r-v-o-i-r so go check them out give him a follow and give them a listen it's a, it's a great podcast great show i highly recommend it um, oh yeah uh very informative and they, they they go a little bit deeper in different ways than we do i mean we go behind the scenes and talk about a lot of things to do with a movie, but they kind of approach it in a different way. So uh, in, in that regard, uh, I think you would enjoy If you like our show, you'll like them. So go check it out. So next week, episode 71, which will be August 30th at 6 p.m. East, we're going to be talking about another Wolf Cop. And this will be the, the, the official wrap-up of the Summer of the Wolf. This will be the last thing we do uh, werewolf-related, you know, until we decide to do something like this again. I'll give you the brief synopsis here on IMDb. Alcoholic werewolf cop Lou Garou springs into action when an eccentric businessman with evil intentions seduces Woodhaven's residents with a new brewery and hockey team in this outrageous horror comedy sequel. So, and it's uh, directed by the same guy and written by the same guy, Lowell Dean, that, uh, yeah, that did the original Wolf Cop. There we have it. That'll be on the next episode next Monday at 6 p.m. So, uh, Travis, we appreciate you being on, man, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on here, you know, sometime soon for something else. For Will, who is on assignment and couldn't be with us, and of course for Donnie and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. We'll see you next week.